you can find the book of Proverbs. My son Titus is um, similar to me in many ways. Of course, all my kids are similar to me in many ways. Um, but Titus is similar to me right now in his life, and uh, he, has, he has trouble getting to sleep. And uh, that's not similar to me today. Uh, I don't have trouble sleeping anymore. But when I was his age, I remember those days. Me ever having trouble getting to sleep. And, and I was right where he's at. He's seven or eight. Uh, well, he is seven and will be eight. So he's uh, seven, going to be eight here in just a couple weeks. And um, he, he gets himself all worked up. And uh, maybe you remember this, if this ever happened to you, but he's going to bed and he'll, he'll fall asleep and wake up for whatever reason. And then he'll get scared and then get worked up and get teary, and it just becomes a crisis, you know. And, um, and he's tired, but he's still crying, and he needs to go to sleep, but he can't go to sleep because he's nervous, and boy, I'm telling you, and it becomes a trial. It's 10 o'clock, you know, 10.30, and it's like, go to bed, at which point you think Benadryl would probably help him. <laughs> and you know, okay, I remember, I remember, I remember being his age, I remember the whole thing. I remember going to bed, and I couldn't get to sleep, and then I would calculate how much sleep I'm missing by not going to sleep. And it would get me more upset. And so, you know, I was supposed to be asleep by, you know, whatever, 8.30. And then it's 9 o'clock, and I'm still not asleep. And then I'd get more upset that I'm not sleeping. And then it's 9.30 and 10. And then at 10 o'clock, there was a program that would come on on the Christian radio station called Night Sounds. And it was creepy. Like, for whatever reason, it was creepy. I could hear it out, you know, in the kitchen where my mom was, and it would come on, and then I knew I was dead in the water. It's 10 o'clock, I'm definitely not going to have sleep, and the creepy program comes on. Oh, man, and then I'd cry harder and harder. And uh, all that to say, um, that song, those men just sang, which is not really, we don't hear it that much. It's not, you know, sung a lot. Um, I remember more than once in the creepy night song show, that song would come on. And that would be almost always the song that would help me to settle down. And uh, I love that song. That's a great song. Okay, all right, you're in the book of Proverbs. Uh, let me give you a couple quotes here. These are not by me. I found these. Uh, have you ever heard this quote? This is an ancient quote. He who hesitates is... Do you know this? He who hesitates is lost. Okay, that's interesting. He who hesitates is Lost. Okay, you remember that one. Um, how about this one? One of these days is none of these days. One of these days is none of these days. You think about that one. The best way to get something done is to begin. Huh. You think about that one. The best way to get something done is to begin. Oh, that's good. It's true. How about a year from now? You may wish you had started today. A year from now, you may wish you had started today. Easier now, oh, I guess this is my quote here, okay. Easier now makes for a lot harder later. Harder now makes for much easier later. You think about that one. All right, one last quote. Procrastination is like a credit card. It's a lot of fun until you get the bill. All right, so I want to talk this morning about procrastination. 
And I think it's probably a term that you're familiar with. You're probably familiar with it by definition and by experience, okay? So procrastination. So when I say the word procrastination, how does it make you feel? Warm and fuzzy, you know? Yes. Oh, we're talking about something I've mastered. Perfect. Great. Okay. We're going to talk about procrastination, and it's not a positive term. All right, so I have a couple thoughts about procrastination, actually four. So I'm going to talk about four things about procrastination. And uh, this is probably something that everybody in this room has to wrestle with, and that would be the tendency to procrastinate, okay? All right, so number one, I want you to consider this, and that is if you're going to deal with procrastination, at least in the sense of mastering your tendency to do it or overcoming your tendency to do it, we have to first of all, number one, you have to understand the problem. You have to understand it. What, why, what is it, what is procrastination? And a couple times here, uh, uh, Solomon mentions things that would have to do with procrastination. So if you're in the book of Proverbs, I want you to find chapter 20 and look at verse 4. Proverbs 20, find verse 4. All right, he says this, The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. Okay, I'm not a farmer. Uh, I don't understand a lot of the intricacies of farming, timing, all of that. Some of you probably do. I don't. Um, but I do understand having to work outside when it's not comfortable. Okay, I think we all understand that. Um, in fact, it was just a couple months back, um, our family is going through a little bit of a remodeling project on our house, actually building an addition. And unfortunately, just the nature of the, the project, it's kind of thrown some of the norm into chaos. And it's just the way it is. Um, you know, where we used to have grass, we have mud. And so now that mud is everywhere in the house and you name it. So there's just things that are just hard to deal with, you know, when you're going through some of this. And uh, one of the things as we were dealing with that, we never got around to raking. And uh, so my front yard, I have a, a tree that always drops its leaves way later. You know, all my neighbors are raking in early October. It's warm and sunny, and it's like the perfect thing. And I always am raking in late November. And I don't know what it is. I always have these trees that hold onto their leaves until well too far into the thing. So it was like December, and uh, the tree had dropped. It had dropped probably, probably two some odd weeks earlier. I didn't have a chance to deal with it. And, uh, and I knew I had to deal with it, I had to deal with it. And so I remember some day, one, I don't remember what day it was. It was a day, it was late, and I came home and I told my wife, I said, I'm raking the yard. And uh, it was literally, I had a window, I just got to get it done. And so I'm trying to get it done before the sun sets. And I couldn't quite get there fast enough. And uh, what compounded it is it began to rain. And so here I'm raking in the dark, and it's raining. So I have my hood up, and I'm raking and I'm freezing. I'm listening to Christmas music, because it was like December, you know, raking, listening to Christmas music. It was miserable. It was just miserable. And, you know, I thought to myself, this is not an illustration that I procrastinated to get it done, but everything in me wanted to not do it at that point. I thought, forget it. This is, who cares? I'll rake it in the spring, you know. Um, but I thought, no, I'm going to get it done. So then I pull out this uh, a, painter's, a painter's drop cloth to use to like put the leaves on it and bring it to another part. Well, that was dumb. It's like canvas. So the rain wasn't shedding. It was 
gathering. And so I put all these leaves on it. I'm pulling this canvas. I'm like, oh, and I just was miserable. I was miserable. And I literally came in the house at one point and told my wife, I said, that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. <laughs> Probably not true, but that's how I felt at that point. But you know why I did it at that point? Because I knew if I don't do it now, it's going to be a, terrible to try and get it done later and snow's coming and so on. And uh, you know, the honest truth is when I look at my front knee right now, because this happened just weeks ago, there's no leaves, it's ready for spring. And I would really hate to have it be April and I'm out there trying to clean up this stuff that I could have done in the fall. Okay, but you know, there's a lot of times in life, circumstances seem like it would be easier later. But you know, I would say nine times out of 10, later isn't easier. It's almost always better to do it now, even though it may seem harder. Here's another one. You don't have to turn there because I want you to stay in Proverbs. But in Ecclesiastes, now a similar thought. Uh, he says, he that observeth the wind shall not sow, but he that regardeth the clouds, uh, I'm sorry, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. And uh, so here's the first thought. You have to understand the nature of the problem. The nature of the problem is procrastination tends to play out because you look at the time and you think this isn't the best time, I'll do it later. So here's a couple thoughts along that line. You know the longer you put off a task, the more that molehill turns into a mountain. Have you ever had a little something to do, a little project like a one-page paper or you know whatever, some little thing to do and it's just a little hard to do, you got other things you'd rather do and you put it off. And the more you put it off, what really is arguably not that big of a task becomes a very big task. In your mind, you look at it, oh man, how am I ever going to start that thing? Do you know the longer you put off a task, the more that that molehill turns into a mountain. At least that's how you perceive it. Um, consider not the difficulty of the thing you got to do, but the value gained in the end. Think about harvesting or think about, um, about farming. You know, it's springtime, it's rainy, it's lousy, it's muddy, it's hard to deal with it. And, and, and you think, I don't want to have to go out and deal with all of that, you know. But what motivates a farmer to get out in the rain and the mud and the muck and the whatever and get that seed in the ground? Well, what is it? It's the harvest. So he does what he does because he knows at some point it's going to be worth it that he did. And uh, that is the nature of procrastination. Procrastination is failing to see the end result at the moment of difficulty. And you have to learn, if you're going to overcome procrastination, you have to learn to see beyond what's difficult to what's going to be gained at the latter end. We do all have trouble reasoning about the consequences of our actions or what they will be later. And frankly, that's where maturity kicks in. Maturity is being able to look past right now and see what will this action do later. And uh, this is actually one of the problems of youth. Do you know when you're a freshman in college, you don't have the ability to, to predict the future as well as Pastor Van Gelderen does. Pastor Van Gelderen is a couple years older than 18. And so he's experienced uh, decision and consequence more than you have as an 18-year-old. So as an 18-year-old, it does help to have others saying, okay, if you're going to get this project done by the end of the nine-week block, then that means by week four you have to have this done, not by four hours prior. And uh, that's part of youth. Youth has trouble looking at what is it going to look like later. And so you can get stuck in the here and now. Okay, um, 
So number one, you have to understand the nature of the problem. The nature of the problem then is simply you're looking at your circumstances. It's hard now, I'll do it later. Number two, learn to break projects down into manageable tasks. All right, good, this is good, right? You knew that, all right? Learn to break projects down into manageable tasks. You got a big thing to do, you got to write a research paper, break it down into manageable tasks. Some of your teachers help you do that. This is true in a lot of things. This is true not just in a project for school. This might be true in uh, a project in your house or uh, you know, some other situation at work. Learn to break it down into manageable tasks. And here's my thought for this, it pays to start. It pays to start. Sometimes a project is so big, do you know what I mean? That you have trouble starting. And as long as you have trouble starting, you're not making any progress toward finishing. So look at Proverbs 13 and verse four. Proverbs 13 and verse four, The writer says, the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Uh, we all strive on accomplishment. Does it feel good to get something done? All of us like that. It feels good to get something done. And uh, we all strive on accomplishment, so if we're not character-driven, we tend to accomplish something that's easier and more immediately gratifying, often to the detriment of the harder thing that's bigger. And so you got the evening to spend and you got a number of things that you got to do. And if you're not living by character, but you're falling into the, the tendency of procrastination, you'll do the more interesting thing or the thing that seems easier to accomplish. Because oh, I just want to get that done, I'll do that later. And what happens is then the harder thing, the later you go, is harder to do. And um, okay, so you do tend to do something that's more fun, more enjoyable, easy to wrap your brain around. So here's the key, learn to break down big projects into small steps, okay? Right? I didn't make this up, come on, you know this, you've been told this probably your whole life. Take big projects, make it into small steps, and then reward yourself for every step taken. That's not bad advice. You know, if you gotta get done with a big thing, okay, what can I do first? and then get it done, and then take a few minutes and, uh, you know, do 10 jumping jacks or whatever, or, uh, you know, kind of reward yourself and then get back right into it. And uh, so when we um, help develop the Hour with God in the Christ Walk Journal, every one of those sections has a little box in it. I think I talked to you about this maybe a year ago. It has a little box in it, and that box on the top is where you can put a check mark. Okay, this is kind of some, you know, it's kind of silly, but after you've prayed for five minutes about, uh, uh, who God is, and you're, you're worshiping him, you're praising him after those five minutes, check the box. Hey, I did that. I prayed for five minutes. Um, part of why the hour with God has been so life-changing for me is it taught me how to do something that at first, you know, first blush, oh, pray an hour? I can't pray an hour. But I'm not praying an hour. I'm praying five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. And maybe my brain is too simple and yours is more complex. But I like to check off that box. Even this morning, I checked off the boxes because it just helps me. Hey, okay, I did that. Boom, done. Okay, now, now God, what should I pray about? And uh, I like that. So my little boys, Titus and Zachariah, were doing their devotions together. Probably not the best idea, but they were doing it. And uh, they had a whole system. They were set up in their bedroom, and they had these desks, these little makeshift desks that they had. And then they had a little bowl of, I don't know, some sort of a candy or something. No, it was like a fruit snack, a bowl of fruit snacks. And here, they had it down. 
they would pray, and they were doing like two minutes per section. So they had a, a timer, and they would pray for two minutes, and then eat a fruit snack. <laughs> and then pray for two minutes and eat a fruit snack, and uh, intercession petition, they'd pray for four minutes and eat two fruit snacks. I thought, hey. <laughs> it helped them, you know, whatever, it works. So, okay, maybe it's a little bit silly, but it wouldn't be bad if you prayed in the morning, and you know, every five minutes and you drink a sip of coffee, right? <laughs> Or something like that. Um, one of my children is in the Bible quiz program, and uh, just the kind of the basic basic goal for them is to memorize ten verses a week. That's kind of the the, the baseline standard: memorize ten verses a week. So uh, we've told our kids, and actually this uh, child of mine the other day and I we were talking about this about memorizing two verses a week. And so two verses a week, I said that means you need to memorize two verses a day. Okay, did you know that's pretty good, right? Two verses a day. And so I told them that means every single day memorize two verses. Now, he and I had a disagreement about that. It was Tuesday. He had Bible quiz that morning. And he came home, and I said, did you do your Bible quiz? He said, well, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I said, why are you going to do it tomorrow? He says, because I only have to memorize two verses five days a week. And I said, the only way you will ever memorize ten verses a week, two verses a day, is to do it every single day. He's like, but why would that be? He said, I have two extra days. I said, you will only do it if today. I said, if you don't memorize two verses today, you will never, never memorize 10 verses this week. And he, I shouldn't say he, because that kind of narrows it down. But <laughs> this child of mine, uh, he could not wrap his brain in what I was saying. But you know exactly what I'm saying. Because if he waits, if he takes his two days off on the first two days, then when the inevitable comes later in the week, oh, he already ate up those extra days. So the only, and I told him, I said, well, what happens if after five days you've memorized two verses and on the sixth day you memorize two more? Oh, no. What's Pastor Van going to say? I memorized 12 verses this week. Sorry about that. I said, the only way you're going to do it is today memorize two verses. Does that make sense? Of course it does. Um, another thing, same child, not going to name him, and he's not sitting over there. Uh, <laughs> Same child, we were talking about making an evening routine. And uh, so my wife, she's pretty organized. She's all about this stuff. So she has the kids. They write out a schedule. Okay, it's going to take me this long to do biology, this long to do math, whatever. And so then, invariably, the kids always have some extra time in their schedule. You know, I've got 30 extra minutes. And so, talking to one of my children, and I said to him, I said, if you have 30 minutes of extra time to do whatever, then do the 30 minutes of extra time at the end of your evening. But because he, bit, he budgeted it all out, I would have 30 minutes of extra time, then he would use it in the front end of his evening. Okay, why? Because it's easier to use extra time than it is to study biology. And every night, without fail, he would get to the end of the night and be out of time. That's because he was frittering away time throughout the night, and rather than front end loading his evening, with hard stuff, he was front end loading his evening with whatever stuff, you know, and it then whacked him out at the end. Okay, now this is talking about one of the kids in the Schultz home. I have a hunch that he's not the only one in this building right now that has that problem. Have you ever approached your evening where you think, okay, I've got to do this and this and this, and it's going to take me about this much time, I'll do this, and then I should have a little bit of extra time, and you end up burning the extra time in the beginning and then you're almost right up again, lights, against lights out, and you think, oh, great, I didn't get it done. Can I just give you just a really simple thought? 
Do you know if you do the hardest thing first, I know you know this, I, I'm making this stuff up, but you know if you do the hardest thing first, it will actually propel you into finishing all your tasks in the time allotted. Do the hardest thing first. If the hardest thing to do is your Greek, do it first. Because it's not going to get easier to do it later. Do you realize that? Greek's hard either way. So it's not going to get easier later. It's not going to get easier after 9.30, okay? Do it right away. Uh, do it right away. 7 o'clock, boom, doing my Greek first, okay? All right, good. Um, just doing a little bit during the time you have uh, available helps you get that much further ahead than if you took no action at all, right? But I think all of us tend to think this way. This is a really big thing. This is going to take me multiple hours to do, and I only have... 20 minutes. And so instead of doing something toward the big, you do nothing because I don't have time to do it all. That's procrastination. Procrastination is, is frittering away the little bit of time because the thing I've got to do is too big. It's better to do a little bit during the time you have. Why don't I have time to do it all? Um, okay, this is not quite the right illustration, but the other morning, uh, the way that my morning went, I lost some time to run how far I wanted to run. I was supposed to run three miles, I lost some time. And so all of a sudden I'm, I'm, I'm where I need to be, I need to start running, and I don't have time. And so then I had this, this debate within me. Now, I enjoy running, but I don't either, you know. So part of me was saying, ah, Schultz, just uh, go home and drink coffee. You don't need to run, you know, this is not gonna, forget it. And then the other part of me said, no, hold on, wouldn't it be better for me to run a mile than for me to just skip it all together because I can't do three? What do you think the answer is? Don't say skip it. Yeah, so I ran a mile, you know? And it was not what I needed to do and whatever, but it was better to do something than nothing. Okay, but still, think about it from the standpoint of your task. It's better to do part toward the whole than nothing because you can't do the whole, right? Um, following through is the only thing that separates dreamers from people that accomplish great things. Follow through. Get going. Get started. It pays to get started. Um, planning is a good thing, and I think you learning to plan is a good thing. If you don't plan, essentially failing to plan is planning to... So planning is a good thing. But, you know, you can actually waste time planning. Uh, I've seen it in the Schultz home. Uh, my kids can plan and make charts, full color, doodle stuff all over, and it's really neat, and they're wasting time planning to do something. And at some point, plan and execute. So planning is a good thing. Doing your plan is an even greater thing. And uh, so you might spend, you know, 25 minutes planning and then not get anything done. Gang, you didn't get anything done, okay? So plan and then execute. All right, so both of these things. Understand the problem. The problem is if it's hard to do now, I'll just put it off to when it's easier and it's typically not ever easier. Or learning to break things down into manageable tasks. Reward yourself at pace to at least start. But, you know, both of those things are kind of obvious. And I think neither of those things are the real issue. I think procrastination tends to be something even different, and that would be this. Uh, number three, you need to deal with your emotions. You need to deal with your emotions. And uh, so find Proverbs 22, Proverbs 22, and uh, verse number 13, it reads this way. Proverbs 22, 13, the slothful man saith, there is a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. There is a lion without, I shall be slain in the streets. Well, between you and me, if there's a lion outside of my door, I wouldn't open it either. 
but how many times has there been a lion outside of your door? Probably not many, you know, maybe never, probably. Um, and here is an example of a man who is making silly excuses. He's looking at the situation going, well, you know, but what if, if I really was to do that, what if I, uh, you know, trip and fall and stub my toe and break my nose, and then what? Then I've lost, you know, a lot of things. Okay, that's possible, sure. Okay, so this is what I think of as this is a silly excuse. And do you know a lot of times procrastination, even if you don't think of it in concrete terms, is rooted in some silly excuse. Well, I can't do that because, you know, or whatever. So I have three emotions that I think affect procrastination. Number one is fear. And I would say this is the first, is fear. Fear. Fear because I don't exactly know what to do. I don't know really how to go about doing it, and it intimidates me. Um, so let's think of an academic project. You have to write a, a research paper. Or you have to do something. And frankly, it's a little intimidating. And when it's intimidating, that fear makes you put it off. And uh, so this guy doesn't open his door because he's afraid there's a lion. Really? Probably not. Okay. But you will never make that project easier by delaying to get it done. And so you may look at it and say, I just don't know really. I'm uncomfortable doing it. Well, then launch. Launch into it. Figure it out as you go. All right, so there's fear, fear of the thing. I, I just don't know how to do it. I, I'm scared of it, whatever it might be. Then the other thing is guilt. Guilt can actually lock you down. Do you know when you delay to do a task, what always follows is guilt. You feel anxiety. You feel like, you know, I should have gotten it done. I didn't get it done yet. And that guilt, believe it or not, doesn't motivate you to get it done. It actually motivates you to shut down about it. And uh, anxiety, guilt. And uh, boy, I know that feeling. I've felt it many times. Got to get something done, and uh, I don't know, I, you know, I'm scared of it, so I put it off, and then I feel guilty that I put it off, and, and then all of that doesn't motivate me to get it done. It actually works on my emotions to, I just can't do it. This is too big. It's too hard. But then thirdly is the emotion of pleasure. Pleasure. Now, before I talk about this in the way we need to, there is a pleasure in getting something done. Do you know, like we talked about manageable tasks, reward yourself. There is something pleasurable about getting something done. Do you know when you, go to, when you go to bed at night and you think, you know, I got it done. That really, 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 really feels good. It feels a lot gooder than when you go to bed at night and you think, I didn't get that done, I didn't get that done, I got to somehow figure out how to do it tomorrow. Those are bad feelings, right? It's actually a good feeling to get your work done. But the pleasure I'm talking about here is more the pleasure of the immediate thing against the difficulty of the thing I need to do. And uh, so often procrastination is literally just you're following the impulse of what you want rather than the character to do what I need to do. The core cause is emotional. It's instant gratification. Um, feel good today or succeed tomorrow. And uh, so I mentioned this in the beginning. Easier now makes for a lot harder later. Harder now leads to much easier later. And uh, anybody that has mastered doing the hardest thing first will tell you they've learned on the tail end how much easier it is. And wouldn't you rather go to bed with the pleasure of having it done than the anxiety of not having it done? But that means at 7.30, you're going to have to make a decision to do what's not pleasurable so that at 10.30, you have the pleasure, right? But at 7.30, it's always more pleasurable to do whatever. Oh, you know, I was going to, 
I was going to text my dad about this. You start texting conversation with him, and it's not helping you get anything done at that point. Okay, so number one, understand the nature of the problem. That is, it's always, it, it, things get put off when they're hard, okay, circumstances. Learn to break down projects into manageable tasks. In other words, it pays to start. Just get started, break it down, and get going on the thing. Deal with your emotions then. Deal with silly excuses, things that are getting in the way. But then I do want to challenge you, number four, and this is the biggie, and that is, the big issue is, what is God's will for me right now? What is God's will for me right now? What's God's will for me today? What's God's will for me during this, uh, these two hours of quiet hour? What is God's will for me right now? Do you know the way that seems right to man, which would be that pleasure sense, is the ways of death. It doesn't work. The right way is, God, what do you want me to do? So I have a couple verses along these lines. So I want you to follow me with this. Find Luke 9. Luke 9. And uh, Jesus is challenging people to follow him as a, as a, uh, in discipleship. And so he says in verse 59, he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. So if Jesus says, follow me, that would be a directive. Follow me. That's a command. Hey, follow me. Notice the response of this man. His response is not, yes, sir. His response is, Good idea. Hold on, Lord. Uh, let me first go and bury my father. Okay, that is not obedience. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't do it. He said, no, I got other things to do first. Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Look at verse 61. Another, said, uh, another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first Go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Uh, one of my children, my youngest, is classic at this. He'll be in the middle of doing something, and I'll tell him to come. Very simple. Hey, just come. And he wants to, uh, very typically, finish what he's doing before he comes. It'd be different if I said, Hey, when you're done with that, come. But a lot of times I just need him to come. Hey, you just need to come. And for him then to finish his task before he comes is delayed obedience. And if, delay, if obedience is delayed, it's actually disobedience. And so Jesus says, come follow me. And both of these said, we will. So in their mind, they're thinking they're going to do it. They're just going to do it later. And Jesus says, it doesn't work that way. When I say come, you come. Uh, find Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, uh, verse 12, right on here uh, through... Um, verse 15, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation. Um, I remember years ago, we had a preacher come by, I don't remember who, as a guest speaker, but he gave us a phrase that I've never forgotten. He said, uh, he wanted us to, to, to uh, think of this ourselves, and that was the phrase, willing, but not yet obedient. And uh, that was, of course, not a positive. Willing, but not yet obedient. You know, willing and not yet obedient is not yet obedient. And when God tells you to do something, come. And you say, sure, Lord, I'm coming. I just got to button this up first. You haven't come yet. Delayed obedience is disobedience. One more passage, and that would be um, Matthew chapter 25. 
Matthew 25. And uh, here's a story that Jesus is talking about his coming and uh, talking about preparedness for his coming. And so starting at verse number 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there, not be, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell, buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they were not, and they, uh, I'm sorry, and they that went, that were ready, went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, come to us. But he answered, uh, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch you, uh, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. And so here are some young ladies who missed an opportunity for something far greater because they were not diligent at the moment. So in essence, they procrastinated. They put off the, the getting of the extra supplies for a later time when that moment came that they should have been ready, they weren't ready, and they lost everything. And uh, you know, college student procrastination is more than just anxiety and fear and pleasure seeking at the moment. It is disobedience. Procrastination is, is right akin to disobedience, especially when Jesus says, come, and we say, you bet, give me a minute. When the Lord speaks, you should be ready to respond right away. Delete, uh, delayed obedience is disobedience. Um, when I was a kid, I, down in my room I had a desk, and uh, unfortunately my desk would often get messy, and I found the best way to get my desk clean was to sit down at my desk two days before a project was due and endeavor to start working on the project. At that point, I wasn't super motivated by the project, so I would just clean my desk and put my pens over here and get settled, whatever, whatever, whatever. All right. Um, do you know what? Two days prior is probably too late to start, but I would wait until the day prior, and uh, that was never a good moment for me. Um, do you know most diets start tomorrow? <laughs> Training to run starts tomorrow. Okay, most diets start tomorrow or next week. Okay, I'm going to give you one final, I'm sorry, I said one final passage, one final, final passage, Galatians 5. And uh, so I had been meditating on these things, and then we did our degree focus uh, time on Galatians 5. And uh, boy, I have a thought that I think coordinates with this as an application. So we focused on verses 16, 17, 18, so Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. Um, so, uh, flesh, living, or uh, walking, versus Spirit, walking, are mutually exclusive. If you're doing the one, you're not doing the other. You're doing the other, you're not doing the one. They're mutually exclusive. Does that make sense? As I say, if you walk in the Spirit, uh, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Okay, so living by flesh impulse 
is always overcome by under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Living by flesh and pulse crowds out leadership of the Holy Spirit. So they're mutually exclusive. And here's an application I want to give you, and that is, of course, we need to walk in the Spirit. You need to be walking with that continual response of the Lord prompts me, I obey. The Lord prompts me, I obey. So we're walking in the Spirit. The Spirit is, is, is leading, I'm obeying, He's enabling, I'm depending. Okay, that Spirit walk. That's how you ought to live. Of course, the flesh is ready to give you impulse also. No, nah, do this, nah, don't do that. Anyway, that's hard. And I would say, here's an application for you, and then I'm done. I would say probably the way that we need to master overcoming procrastination at the start is at the very start of our days. Now, I don't know how you do it, but I know how I do it. I like sleeping. Frankly, I'm pretty good at it. Um, so I like sleeping, and so I like to get as much of it as I can. So at night, I'm going to bed, and so I'm looking at this alarm, and I'm thinking, what time do I need to set the alarm for for me to get up in the morning? When I do that, I set my alarm for the last possible minute for me to get everything in I need to get in. Okay, so let's see. When I wake up, i got to do some pretty important things like brush my teeth. Um, I need to eat breakfast. Okay, I need to get dressed. I need to take a shower. I want to spend an hour with God. i got to do all these things. Okay, so it's going to go kind of work your way backward until you know, okay, then if that's the case, then this is the latest I can sleep. Do you not think that way? Am I the only one? Maybe I'm the only one. Okay, this is the latest I can sleep. And uh, so at night, you know, it's 10.30, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, quasi-rationally, and I'm like, okay, I'm this. okay 5.30, okay, 5.30. I can, I can sleep till 5.30. That's the thought. I can sleep till 5.30. If I sleep till 5.30, then I'll have enough time to get everything done. Do you know the, the, the crazy thing happens in my brain? So at 10.30, I'm thinking pretty rationally. I can sleep till 5.30. That'll maximize my sleep. And then at 5.30... Like super, um, my super ability to analyze my day kicks on. And at 5.30 I go, no, no, because actually if I sleep 10 more minutes, I will still have enough time to get it done. Okay, probably you're made of similar stuff to me, but do you think you're more rational at 5.30 or at 10.30? What do you think? Okay, and so, but it's amazing how we can reason our schedule in that sleepy stupor and lean over and say, nine more minutes. Do you know pushing your snooze button, I'm serious, is procrastinating? Do you know a lot of us start our lives, our days, with a mode of procrastination from the moment our alarm goes off? Boom. Okay, let's say you think, well, I need those few minutes to wake myself up, so I need a snooze. Oh, whatever, that's fine. I don't think snoozing is intrinsically bad if you plan for it. Okay, you got to get up at 5.30, then set your alarm for 5.21, push snooze once, and get up at 5.30. But unless you're way different than I am and most people in the world, getting up is very hard to do. Snoozing is easy to do. But you rarely set your alarm assuming the extra time. You set it for as late as you can in order to get it all in. And so when you, at that moment, reason that, oh, I can still get it in if I just do this, you're failing, you're, you're losing from the very beginning. And so here he says, he says, walk in the spirit, you won't feel the lust of the flesh. When you set your 1030, I hope you set your alarm, you know, prayerfully. Okay, Lord, what time do I need to get up? I get you know, so you're doing it in, in a sense of obedience. And so then when your alarm goes off at 530 and you choose to delay, that procrastination is from the moment you do it, flesh response. 
Procrastination is actually flesh living. So when your alarm goes off, I want to challenge you with this. When your alarm goes off, get out of bed. You've lived a long time. You've gotten up many days of your life, right? Probably most. Um, so you know that when you're laying down, you don't feel like getting up, and then after you get up and start doing whatever, whatever, you kind of wake up and you're okay, okay? That is how it goes every day. That's how it's going to go tomorrow too. So it's hard to get up at 5.30. It's hard to get up at 5.39. It's really hard to get up at 5.48, okay? But it's hard to get up either way. Just get up. If you just get up, you know what you'll find? You'll kind of kick in. You'll be fine. And then if you get up when you wanted to get up, the anxiety isn't there. I promise you that. It's not there. And you have immediately started your day in the spirit. Okay, Lord, it's 1030. Here's, here's what I'm going to I'm going to get up at this time tomorrow, Lord, because I want to get my hour with you and I want to make sure I get everything in right. And so, Lord, I'm doing this to obey you. So when the alarm goes off, it's an obedience issue. It's not a feeling. It's an obedience issue. My wife has a phrase. She says to the kids, heed not your feelings, get to work. And your feelings will most of the time go against the work you got to do. Heed not your feelings. Get to work. And so here's my challenge for you. Don't be procrastinators, and you know that across the board. I want to challenge you with that one thought. Determine when you're going to get up and get up at that time. Because when you do, and I want you to do it prayerfully, Lord, I'm going to get up at this time, and so I'm going to obey you. Tomorrow morning when my alarm goes off, this is an obedience moment. Okay, Lord, I'm going to get up at that time. And when your alarm, when your alarm goes off, don't push snooze. Unless you built it in, but don't push snooze. Just get out of bed. And when you do, you'll find the anxiety will lift. You're actually starting your day obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And you'll frankly be a lot better for it. Okay? Let's pray about it. Lord, I do pray that uh, our students here would be honest in uh, their consideration of ways that they have learned to put things off because they're hard, uh, because they would rather do something more enjoyable first. And uh, Lord, we want these students to live in that mature way where they're, they're doing the, the priority things first. But Lord, beyond that, what we are really burdened about is that each of us would live obeying you. And if you want us to do it now, you want us to do it now. And so Lord, I pray that we would start our days obeying you by getting right into what you have called us to. And uh, Lord, we pray this in